Welcome to Brave Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We're in a series on Sundays going through the Gospel of Mark. We believe the kind of church Jesus came to start is more than a crowd. It's friends on a mission living life together. Another great way to connect further is through social media, where there is content designed to inspire and inform you. Here's this week's talk. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Brave. Uh, Glad you're all here. Uh, Last Sunday, I spoke in Bakersfield. Bakersfield is really hot. In fact, uh, I've decided that everybody in Bakersfield gets to go to heaven because they're already doing their time in hell. That's how hot it is. But uh, last Sunday, we started a new series, and we're continuing through the Gospel of Mark, and we're calling it Good News. And we all received some really good news this week. The 12 boys and their coach were safely rescued from the cave in Thailand. That's amazing. Amazing. That was really good news. Uh, Christmas is only five and a half months away. I love Christmas. That's really good news. Uh, News is something that we're all aware of and we're exposed to every day. Uh, Some days it's good news. Uh, Some days it's bad news. And as we study the scriptures together here at Brave, we find good news every week. We've discovered the greatest news has already been told, and it's a headline that we can learn to live under every single day. It doesn't mean that you know we ignore the problems. It doesn't mean uh, that at all. It means that we can become part of the solution, that you and I are called uh, to let our light so shine before others, that they would see our good works, real good works, that would give glory to God. And so we're called to do good things, uh, not just to identify and post about all of our problems in America, but to actually help solve them where we live and where we have influence. And so we're always going to seek justice and help for the helpless. And we know that our inner strength and our sense of security isn't dependent on the state of the world that there's a greater headline that we live under, and it's found in the pages of this book. So let's begin uh, with prayer, asking God to to speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, We're going to look at Mark chapter 7. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just recognize you. We honor you. Uh, We welcome you. And we just ask that you would speak to us. And wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, whether this is all new to us today, we're just checking things out, uh, waiting in a little bit, Uh, or we've been following you for a while, wherever we're at, Lord, today, uh, we want to hear from you. And however you do that for each and every one of us, we just ask you to speak to us through this passage in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. Turn to Mark chapter 7. If you didn't get programs, just raise your hand and the ushers will get those to you. You can follow along. There's some notes that you're going to want to take. But we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in uh, Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. 
She went home and found her child on the bed and the demon gone. Verse 24, it says that, that Jesus went into the vicinity of Tyre, which is a seaport city along the Mediterranean. He's now walking into Gentile territory for the very first time. The Gentiles are anyone who is not a Jew. Why was Jesus there? We have absolutely no idea. Most likely he was looking for some much needed alone time, getaway time and rest time. Because if you've been following us through the study in Mark chapter six, uh, we remember that he tried to go to a solitary place to get away from the large crowds. And, uh, but when he arrived, the large crowds were waiting for him. And that resulted in the story of him feeding the 5,000. Then he left again to try to go to a solitary place. He went up on a mountaintop to pray. uh, And from that vantage point, he saw the disciples. They were on the sea. They were struggling. There was a storm. He walks out on the water to help them. And again, when they got safely to shore, here's another very large crowd of people waiting for him. And so in Mark 7, Jesus leaves his homeland Uh, Jesus' popularity was growing, and our best guess is that he needed to get away from the crowds, and he needed to rest, and he went to the certain home in seclusion to do that. So he crosses over into Gentile territory, and an unnamed woman hears Jesus is in town, and she finds him at this home. It says that she was a Greek woman, a Syrian Phoenician. Uh, Other Syrians were from North Africa. And this implies to us today that she was from Greece, but she actually wasn't. Uh, And uh, so to say that she was a Greek woman, Mark was wanting to emphasize that she is a pagan Gentile. This meant that according to the Jews and the rabbinical laws, that she was unclean. And so as a non-Jew who is breaking all the Jewish rules to approach Jesus, a rabbi. So Jesus had to have been initially a little surprised. He's at this home, he's away, he's secluded, this woman approaches him, but she's asking him for help. Now, this is a tough situation for Jesus as a Jewish rabbi. It's not uh, appropriate culturally for a pagan woman to communicate with him. So Jesus is kind of cornered by her, and while back home, Jesus is being opposed by his own religious leaders, He's doubted by his family. Uh, He's followed oftentimes by crowds for all the wrong reasons. And he's accompanied most often by his disciples that only partially understand who he is. And ironically, at this time, the only ones that recognize who Jesus is are evil spirits and a pagan Gentile woman. And the woman comes and like falls at his feet, which was an expression of deep respect My wife, Tracy, does this at home all the time. And then I say, arise. No, that that never happens. Um, But it says that she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And then Jesus responds in verse 27, first let the children eat all they want. He told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The statement first let the children eat all they want. The Jews were chosen first to receive the Messiah and then to be a blessing to the world with all that they had been given the gospel. The Gentiles world, anything that was non-Jewish, their time had not yet come. Jesus had not yet died on the cross for the sins of the world. And Jesus is bringing the kingdom of heaven 
and all that that implies to the Jews first. He continues in verse 27, first let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. That sounds so derogatory in our culture, but it's not. Jesus is using a metaphor to say that in a family and in your household, the children eat first, and then the family pet that you love so much gets to eat later, meaning the children of Israel are the children of the house, and they're being fed the good news first. So Jesus is on this mission to bring the good news first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Jesus is saying that right now, in this season, I'm focused first on bringing the good news to the Jews. Later in Acts chapter 9, we'll read that the Apostle Paul is called to bring the good news of Jesus to the entire Gentile world. This was God's plan all along. So in John 3.16, when we read this, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the whole world, and that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not uh, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Romans 3, verse 24, there in your program notes, it says, There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And then in Galatians 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is there is there no or nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, but all that comes later, right now. In this context, Jesus focused on bringing the good news in his kingdom to the Jews. So Jesus sounds reluctant to her. It's as if he's surprised by her sudden forwardness and timing. Will Jesus be gracious to this Gentile woman as we've seen him be to the unclean outcasts within Israel? This would mean breaking Jewish traditions to do that. This will This will not look good for his already scandalous image. She came, she fell at his feet. She's clearly not offended by what he said, his illustration. She must have understood what he meant in the context of that culture. She's persistent and she's desperate. In verse 28, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Lord here means sir. Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs crumbs. She's humbly requesting a crumb, a small benefit of his grace to meet her daughter's need. It's as if if she's saying, I get where your priorities lie right now, first to help Israel, but I'm humbly asking, can you do both? Verse 29, then he told her, for such a reply, You may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So what is our good news from this passage? You can write this in your notes. The good news is this. True religion never gets in the way of loving people. True religion never gets in the way of loving people. Even when it's not the right time. Even when it feels like not the right season, even when you're too busy, even when you're distracted, even when the right political optics are not in place, 
So I want to give you three insights this morning, three ways that love breaks down barriers. Number one, love gives us the bravery to see beyond our differences. The woman was pagan and considered unclean by any Jew in Jesus' day. And yet Jesus crossed those barriers and those differences, and Jesus loved her, and Jesus helped her. Loving people is always the right thing to do. Even if it means crossing over cultural divides, preferences, and beliefs. This is a remarkable story because on this day, a Jewish rabbi had a conversation with a Gentile woman. True religion never gets in the way of loving people. Galatians 5 verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What was circumcision? It was a rule. It was a tradition. However, in Christ, as followers of Jesus, in love, the good news, the only thing that counts in your life, at the end of the day, if we get anything right, it's learning to express our faith in love and through love to other people. That followers of Jesus should be known as the most loving people. The Bay Area is a blending of many cultures. Have you noticed? Right? And so our challenge will be to those to cross cultural barriers in love. Our our area is already very diverse, but it's going to continue to be even more diverse. And many nations, many of the nations that are coming to America, they come with a heritage and a story of their own. Do you know the story of other people's heritage, of their history? Have you heard their story? Listening, learning, and inquiring to hear one another's story creates identity. It creates empathy. It creates compassion. Oh, you're really not that different than me. You're, you're a human being too. What is your first reaction to someone who looks, thinks, and believes differently than you do? When it comes to politics, I do not represent a particular political party. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm a follower of his views, of his value, of his love. And what is motivating me when I vote is my beliefs and my values. Unfortunately, I do not believe that any one particular party adequately even comes close to representing what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, politics and the tools that they use seek to divide our country and divide us. And they're doing a really good job of that right now. Division is a spirit that rules within politics. That I'm better than you. I'm more righteous than you. You should be on our side and they're all bad. And it's just a constant tug of war of division. We cannot look to political leaders to lead our morality. Nor what we believe about other people. Nor what we believe about our nation. They're not our source of morality. Brave Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church that reflects the community that we're trying to serve here. And uh, I would say this on Sunday morning in our three gatherings that the uh, weakest representation of ethnicity in our church is the Indian community. And so we have, I don't know if you know this, but we have an entire Indian church that we host every Sunday that meets here uh, in the afternoons. 
Brave exists to share the gospel and to make disciples all over the world. Racism, in all of its forms, is in direct opposition to the gospel or the good news. Racism is not a political issue. It's a sin against God, our creator. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There's something bigger going on, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Racism is pure evil. It's a, it's a doctrine of evil. And so we want to see every human being not as an enemy to be defeated, but as a person to be loved. James says this. James said, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. You want to be righteous? Love all your neighbors. Love everybody. Loving people is always the right thing to do. If you give back hate for hate, you just become a hater. So what can I do? What can we do to help break down barriers? We can embody a better story right here, right right where we live. We can teach our kids a better way. We can seek to understand each person's story. We can cry with people that have been hurt by the hatred of other people. We can stand with them. Not not with boots and guns, but with love and grace. And it's through the love and the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ that we can embody a better way. We face the greatest opportunity as the church here in America to be a healing force wherever we go. Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Jesus spoke the truth in love. Jesus did not tweet hate. Jesus didn't post hate. Jesus didn't do Instagram hate. Jesus spoke the truth in love. When you encounter racism, challenge it courageously by speaking the truth in love. The Word of God teaches us that, that all races have the same creator. You and I are, you are from me and I am from you. My mother recently did one of those blood tests, you know, to find out where she's from and so forth. And my heritage, part of my heritage is from West Africa. I am part West African. I am a brother from another mother. And uh, we are wonderfully diverse, yet in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. We have the gospel. We have the greatest message. It's not a political message. It's a kingdom of heaven message that we can live with one another, love for one another, care one another, and that everyone finds acceptance, and that we're all part of the family, that every human life Uh, has infinite and equal value, that God chose to make each person the race that he wanted them to be, including you. So celebrate whatever your diversity is, whatever your ethnicity is. I'm I'm obviously predominantly Irish. I do not tan. Um, I just get a sunburn. One time I got a sunburn looking at my iPad for too long. At Brave, we celebrate one another's diversity. We love every color, size, shape, economic background, and nationality in our church. So we want our church to look the way heaven is going to look. And here's John describing heaven, Revelation 7, verse 9. I saw in heaven a huge crowd from every tribe, every language, and every people group standing before the throne praising God. So I remain hopeful because I know that while we still live, you know, we still have deep race issues in America, that as the church... 
we have an opportunity to change the world uh, that so desperately needs us. You see, we represent the solution. Laws will not create the solution. More legislation will not, uh, all the people that you vote for, all the politics, all that crap. Crap is Greek for negativity. It's also a farming term, all right? We've got an opportunity. Don't, don't become part of the mudslinging. Become part of the solution. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Don't participate in that. Don't lower yourself to that kind of language and use and volatility and anger. Anger doesn't solve anything. Number two, write this down. Love leads us to give without discrimination. The thing which will bond us is our common needs being met. Mothers who love their daughters, just like this woman, will look for answers for help. You'll do whatever it takes. This mother was an advocate for her child. Are you available to help people, those from a different culture? To say that, well, I'm not prejudiced, and being willing to actually extend yourself and offer real help to people that are different than you, those are two different things. Like some of us just feel really good because I'm not a racist and I'm not prejudiced and you kind of stop there. It's about being self-aware enough to see beyond the grid that we've created of who we will and who we will not help. Some only will help their family and you feel so good about that, but that's as far as it goes for you. You worship your family. It's all about your family. Your family is your little God. And it doesn't go beyond your family. I only help my family. Some only help people that you feel a particular affinity to. I identify with them, so I'll help them. Some only help people that might benefit them in some way. But once you take time, to take the time to hear, to learn stories of other people, to hear their story, to ask about their journey, ask how they came here, learn their family story. Man, it just, it's so bonding. It's so amazing. Uh, Food does this. Uh, This week, Isaac and I went just down the street about a half a mile, and we tried a a new Indian restaurant for us, and we walked into the the restaurant, and the entire restaurant turned and looked at us, and uh, they knew that we had never been there before. (laughs) And uh, it was so cool, because they all just pitched in. I mean, the customers were helping us order. It was just like a really cool thing. And they were teaching us how to order their food and what's good on the menu and all that. And it was absolutely amazing. Food brings us together. I'm sitting there and I look across at, at, uh, at, at my plate and I, I, I ordered this uh, chicken meal. And um, it was really, as I looked at it and I tasted it, you know, the, I had all the Indian spices and all that. It was so delicious. But really it was the equivalent to chicken fajitas down at Maria Maria's or El Nido or wherever you, whatever Mexican restaurant you like to go. It was really chicken fajitas with an Indian spices. Are you following me? Um, In fact, a a Tungan friend of mine had told us to order it with, with medium hot spice. So Isaac ordered this chicken noodle dish with uh, medium spice. What he didn't tell us is that that spice in the Indian culture is three times hotter than American hot sauce at, at a medium. 
And uh, in fact, we're driving away. And I said, well, Isaac, what did you think? He goes, I was shocked. I was shocked. That's all he can say is I was shocked. And uh, foods are different. They're different in each culture. Isaac's dish was noodles and it was chicken and it had the spices with it. But you know what it really was? It was chicken pad thai from a Thai restaurant, but with Indian spices. Are you following me? We take the same foods in our culture and we add our spices or a spin on it and it is a beautiful experience. I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. Foods are different, cultures are different, but in many ways we're all the same. Number one, love gives us the bravery to see beyond our differences. Number two, love leads us to give without discrimination. And lastly, number three, love gives us hope for a promised future. In Ephesians 2, it says, beginning at verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with the commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace. That's what we do. That's what you do on Monday where you work. You bring peace to where you serve. He came to preach peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We are called to be barrier breakers. Even when the other person is not of your ethnicity, even when they come from somewhere foreign to you. So, This fall, when we start back up our home churches, invite them, whoever them is to you, to join in your home church. Invite them into your life and into your culture. Invite them to serve with you. Uh, Invite them to your home for a meal. Invite someone to come with you to a movie on the lawn here this coming Friday at Brave. Pray and ask God to show you opportunities that are right around you to love other people. This Tuesday night, we're having another all-church prayer night and uh, to pray that the love of God through us would break down barriers in our community and in our nation. Jesus responded to a woman's faith. Let's, let's ask God for big things too, right where we live. Important things like you and I becoming barrier breakers in our world and in our community right where we live. People do not have to agree or believe the same as us for us to love and help them. That's old school legalism and religion. You got to believe like I believe first and then I'll help you and then I'll love you. That's not Jesus. That's Phariseeism. I want to invite our worship team to come out and join me. Um, Whenever I'm in a crowd, sometimes the last thing that I want to do is to, to pray with other people that I don't know. But if you'll trust me in these next few moments, and I think if we'll get out of our comfort zone here just a little bit today, uh, we may experience something very special. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to huddle together and we're going to pray with those that are around us. And we're going to pray for God's love to break down barriers in all of our hearts.
But before we do that, let's stand together. If you just stand quietly, we're going to sing uh, a verse and, and a chorus to this song. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what we've been talking about. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our hope that you will let this message go deep within your soul and allow Jesus to do the work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to partner with us here at Brave. Go to brave.church and become a regular giver and be part of how God is using this message to help people find and follow Jesus.